Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. If you weren't with us on Wednesday, Austin gave his testimony where he came from and what he went through and where he is. He's come a long way and not that he's arrived, not that I've arrived, but at least he's left home. Amen? And uh, I'm the same. I haven't arrived, but I did leave the house. We're growing. We are growing. And just to share a little bit of it real briefly, he's, he's got one child and he's got another child on the way and the doctors had given them less than a 1% chance. But at 1%, <laughs> as long as there's a ear to hear. Remember the shepherd, he went after the, the, the lamb that the lion had taken and he t- took it away from him and there's a leg and an ear. It's in the Old Testament. It tells me as long as there's a leg to stand on and an ear to listen with, God can work. Amen. Amen. Then Daryl closed us out. He just shared for about 10 minutes and um, he, had, he talked about a garden. Basically, his testimony was a garden. And man, that, that, that hit me because, man, you got to keep working your garden. You don't go out there and plant your garden one day and go out the next day and start pulling corn. You don't grab tomatoes and start making BLT sandwiches. You have to keep working it, making sure it's getting water and keeping critters out of the garden and keeping the weeds uh, out of it. You have to work it. Keep working it. And there's days you're not going to feel like working it. There's days I'm sure he didn't feel like working it. And, and I heard his testimony, and he's talking about every day he was confessing and standing on the Word of God and believing for some things to happen. And time went by, and more time went by, and more time went by. But then the harvest came. That's why the Word of God tells us seed, time, and harvest. You don't plant a seed and go out there the next day and there's a full-grown garden. It takes time. Seed, time, and harvest. But his harvest came. And I'm sure there's days he didn't feel like tending the garden. There's days I don't feel like getting up and tending the garden. And I was thinking as he was talking about my garden, and I was thinking about how thankful, I mean so thankful, I can't even tell you how thankful I am of the people who tended their garden, and I was a product of their garden. You know, I'm talking about my elders who prayed from the time I was just a little baby. Uh, and saw me grow up and get into stupidness and stupid things. And, but they didn't give up on me. They stayed with it and they kept speaking the word over me. They kept praying for me. They kept believing in me. And then all of a sudden, there's an ear of corn and that was me. <laughs> but then, you know what? I'd start working on my garden. And um, man, don't quit. Don't give up. Stay with it. Stay with it. What else could you do? Stay with the Word. Stay in faith. Keep working at it. Praise the Lord. So last week, we are talking about unbelief, growing out of it. And I told all kinds of stories about my sister and all the mischief she got in as a kid. And then afterwards, they blamed it on me and said it was my fault. But it wasn't. I'm telling you, <laughs> she did all these things on her own. I can't remember putting her up to, to any of these things. Um, <laughs> that's the truth. She just... She was a wild one. And uh, I remembered a few more after service. (laughs) And that's just the ones we know about. 
There's lots of things she did that she never got caught, you know? Um, one time she was just a little thing. She decided she wasn't uh, going to ride the bus or get in the car line or whatever it was, so she talked this other little girl into uh, taking off, and they crossed the road down there at the elementary school and cut through the woods and popped out on Newfound Road, and here they are, little second graders walking down the side of Newfound Road, and uh, Sandra and Larry's son-in-law, Biggin, who's next door helping out with the children, his mama just happened to come by, and there's two little bitty girls walking down the side of the road. So she picked them up, took them home, found out who they belonged to. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but she grew out of that. She grew out of it. And you could say growing out of unrighteousness into righteousness. And her unrighteous way of thinking. When you're in unbelief, you are, you're in an unrighteous way of thinking. Whether you realize it or not, when you get over into unbelief, you're in an unrighteous way of thinking. And we're going to get into that a little bit right here. So Matthew, the 17th chapter, 14th verse is where we'll start this morning. And we read this last week. When they had come down... Uh, to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Now this is Jesus, and three of his disciples had come down off the mountain. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? In other words, how long have I got to keep showing you the way before you get this? How long shall I bear with you? He says, bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. And then later on, his disciples came to him privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. And he's talking about this kind of unbelief only goes out through prayer and fasting. But notice here he says, because of your unbelief. Now if you read this same account in the book of Mark, the man comes to him, the, the, the same man comes to Jesus and he says, can you do anything about it? Jesus, I brought him to you. Can you do anything about it? And, he's, and Jesus says, can you? Can you believe? Because all things are possible who him who believes. And the man says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. And I think really the large, the vast majority of Christians today are in that category. They believe. Help my unbelief. I think everybody believes. I think if you wouldn't be in this room right now and keep coming back every week if you didn't believe. You do believe. Something in you believes. You want to believe. Help my unbelief. We get over into unbelief, and last week we talked about three types of things that will keep your prayers uh, from being answered, and, and we're talking about unbelief. Ignorance of the Word being one, lack of knowledge, just not even knowing what belongs to you, not even knowing you're righteous, not even knowing who you are in Christ, what He has given you, who you are, what you can do, not knowing these things, not having a clue. And then the other was uh, just being taught wrong, incorrect. 
taught that God doesn't do those things anymore. It died away with the apostles, and he, he's just sovereign. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Depends on what kind of mood he's in, all this foolishness. And then the last thing was the fasting and prayer, because Jesus specifically says this type of unbelief only comes out through fasting and prayer. And the reason you fast is because, <clears throat> well, for example, if you go on a fast, it's starting in the morning, if you go on a fast, by 12 or 1 o'clock, there's going to be a rebellion on your hands. Your flesh is going to rebel and say, feed me, feed me, feed me. Because you've been doing what your flesh has been telling you to do for the past year or two or three or 10 or 20 or 50 or 70 or ever how old you are. And your flesh is going to be like, why are you trying to tell me what to do now? I've always done what I've wanted to do. Real quickly, you'll find out how much control your flesh has. I know going on a fast sounds absolutely terrible. I've had this conversation with some people this week, and they say, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I'll just be hangry. Well, you might get hangry. <laughs> That's where you get hungry and you get angry. And I do that as well. Sometimes I, I have to just stop and, and go find something to eat because I feel myself getting hangry. And after I eat, now I'm happy again. <laughs> well, y'all do the same thing. Um, and before, I remember we were at Disney World one time. Not a big fan of that place, and uh, I was getting hangry. I didn't even have to say I was hangry. Jackie knew I was hangry. She said, let's just go get something to eat. Let's just feed you. Because <laughs> she could tell. I already wasn't happy because I was there, and now I'm not, you know, I'm hungry. Double mad. But um, if, you'll, if you'll tell it to shut up, in other words, if you just don't eat, I'm, I'm telling you, by day three, you won't even care about eating. Day four, day five, you can keep on going. It, it, it shifts, it changes. Now, um, if you just go without food and you sit in front of your TV all day and watch the news, there's probably not going to be much of a shift in your life. Come on. Um, you have to keep your mind on the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You have to know why you're doing it. Just don't go into it blind having no clue, why am I even fasting because everybody else is fasting because I've done that. And I thought, God's really going to be impressed with this. And he sees me suffering for five days without eating. Right before I collapse from hunger, he's going to come through and he's, gonna, he's really going to be impressed here. He's going to have mercy on me and he's going to just do something miraculous in my life. Well, that's just, I was ignorant of the word. I didn't know. But now I know, is it really what a fast is, if you want to get right down to it, if you ever watch any fighting on TV, UFC or boxing, it is a flesh beat down. You're beating your flesh down. You're beating it down. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to react off my five senses, my feelings, my emotions. I'm going to be spirit-led. I'm going to make my decisions based off my faith in this Word, not off my feelings. You see, your stomach will lead you. And you have to understand when Scripture was written, they didn't have Facebook and Instagram and video games and television. I, I know there are people that need to fast those things. That those things mean way more to them than food. Way more. Uh, there's some people that get so addicted to video games that they can't get up to go eat. That just has somebody to bring it to them. They wear, you know, grown-up sizes of diapers so they don't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, it gets, it gets out of hand. It gets out of hand. But anyways, um, 
That's the, that's the last thing we had talked about last week there. And you've heard people say, I've just got a sixth sense. I used to have a guy that worked with me, and he'd say, that's just my sixth sense. And I always thought, yeah, that's about right. It's your sixth sense, all right. But your sixth sense, your sixth sense, because you have the five senses of faith, of, of uh, five senses, which is your, uh, what you hear, what you smell, what you see, what you taste, and what you feel. So your sixth sense, what I call the sixth sense, is your sixth sense of faith. And you know, you've heard people say, well, that's just common sense. And then you've heard people say, he has no common sense. I mean, just making a decision of something that's practical, it should make sense to you that if you're, you know, 15 feet up and you just decide to jump off onto the concrete, your common sense should kick in and go, that's going to hurt. You shouldn't do that. That's a red-hot stove. Don't touch it. It's going to burn you. You know, if you're grounded and you want to touch a couple of wires, it's going to electrocute you. But you've done these things or you've seen people do these things and you thought, Dear Lord, do you not have any common sense? When you hook those jumper cables up, don't you know red goes to red and black goes to black? I've seen people hook them up backwards, and I thought, no common sense. Put kerosene in a lawnmower. Dear Lord, no common sense. I've never done that, but I know people that, I know somebody that has. Don't know why this thing won't crank. But anyway, talking about sense. And they're talking about knowledge of this word last week, getting into this word and understanding this word and having knowledge of this word. Your faith, you've been given a measure of faith, the measure of faith. We're going to have to get into this word and receive what this word says about us through our faith. And if you don't have knowledge in it, you can't receive something you don't have. And I talked about a computer. And I, I thought about that computer this week when I said, I have no knowledge of how to operate, do a computer. And I said, I don't care to because it doesn't help me. And Stick said, well, it sure helped me a lot if you learned something, because I throw it all off on him. <laughs> and that's true. But I got to thinking about it. If me understanding how to navigate and work through a computer would help me be a better husband, I'd learn it. You better believe I would. If it would help me be a better father and a better example to my children, I'd learn it. If it helped me be a better Christian, lead more people to the Lord, I learned how to take it apart from the inside out, put it back together. I learned it. I would endeavor to learn it and have knowledge of that thing, of that computer. I would want to learn it. Everything about it, I'd want to learn it. That's why you got to be about this Word. Because that Word is going to help you be a better father, a better husband, a better man, a better woman, a better human being, a better Christian. you got to want it. you got to dig into it. Amen. And I think you do want it or you wouldn't keep coming back every week. So praise the Lord, we're learning together. You've got to get educated. Educated is uh, a process of receiving instructions. It doesn't mean you have to go to college, but we do say a college education or high school education or different levels of education. But there's all kind of education. If I want to build a new house and have somebody come and wire it, I won't. I know who I'm going to call. His name's Nathan Dinson, and he owns D1 Electrical in Coleman. I know him personally. I like him. He has an education. He has been educated in how to wire a house. And if he wires my house, I'm not going to worry about electrical fire and burning down because he's educated in that. Amen. There's all types of educations, but we put importance on education, and education is absolutely important. But let me tell you, uh, a, a PhD or a doctorate or whatever level of education, whatever you learned at Harvard or Yale or wherever you went to school, that doesn't help your marriage. That is not going to... 
If you're laying in the hospital bed, if your kid's in the hospital bed, your diploma's not going to help. The education that you have, the knowledge of this word, is that's what's going to help you. That's what's going to help you. I'm not downplaying getting an education. By all means, go for it. Do it. Be a doctor. Be a rocket. Be whatever you want to be. Um, go for it. I just don't want you to put all your emphasis on that education and not knowledge of this word. Because no matter how much Nathan knows about electricity, if him and his wife are struggling, his knowledge of electricity is not going to help that marriage. It's not. And whatever knowledge I have in those things is not going to help either. So we're here to obtain knowledge. Amen? Amen. So let's get right here in Hebrews, the 5th chapter, 12th verse. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. And that's what we're talking about. Being knowledge, being full of knowledge of this word right here, the word of righteousness. It says, for he's a babe. But solid food begins to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now we're talking about the five senses, and we finished with this scripture last week talking about you can actually train your five senses to realize that there's more out there than what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. There is more out there. Even though it doesn't look good, you can train your five senses to say, I'm not going by what I see because I know something else is working that I can't see. And not to freak out. And not to react by what you see. Not to react by what you hear. Just stay calm. Chill. Relax. You didn't see Jesus ever get into a panic. Hurry, Jesus, come on. She's about to die. Come on, he's about to die. Got to hurry. He didn't get in a hurry. He didn't freak out. He didn't panic. He, he, he just stayed calm, cool, collected. Why? Because he was operating, operating out of something called righteousness. He was righteous conscious. That's what we're going to get into. But your will, willpower over these senses and over uh, your feelings are going to come from a well-fed soul. So you want to have willpower? You know, people say they got a strong willpower and you have to just keep beating them like a kid. He's got a strong will and you're just going to beat it out of him. Have you ever? See, that's what we try to do with Caitlin. She got a lot of beatings. But a strong will to, to, in other words, I'm not giving in to my feelings. I'm not going to get in and react. I'm not going to lose my cool. Um, and that's a well-fed soul takes uh, hold, takes control of your emotions. We need to take hold of our emotions. Don't need to react. You don't need to respond uh, when you're emotional. You get mad at somebody and you say things you shouldn't have said. Don't do that. that that's speaking based off your emotions and your emotions will get you in trouble, start fights, all sorts of things. Um, stay cool though and so your senses can be trained and that's what, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to get into this morning is understand we're growing out of unbelief and we're growing into belief and we're growing out of a righteous, an unrighteous consciousness over into a righteous consciousness and um, you know we were talking about this Friday about staying cool you know there is a spiritual battle it says our war is not against flesh and blood but it's spiritual 
So someone said that they lost control in traffic and cut somebody out. Did anybody ever do that? There's a few honest people out there. I don't. Have I ever? Absolutely. But it's been a long, 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 long time. Long time. Now when people flip me off and cuss me out, I just look at them and laugh and just smile and go, Hey! Just, act, just make them even madder and they start cussing me even more. But how you doing? Just act crazy, right? But usually if you drive like you got a brain, you won't get cussed out a whole lot. My mom gets cussed out a lot. <laughs> I was with her in the car one time. <laughs> and uh, her and this guy were just going at it. Just going at it. And I was over behind her just smiling. Going. <laughs> I was, that didn't do any good. Y'all cussed each other out. Now you're all mad. You're feeling. You lost. You lost that spiritual battle. Stay cool. Satan can see you freak out and go crazy. He sees what you do. He sees what gets you upset. He sees these things. He can't get into your mind. He don't know what you're thinking. He doesn't know your heart. God knows your heart. You ever, you ever wonder the thing that tempts you the most, why it keeps tempting you? Because he sees you falling for the temptation. He got you riled up this morning. That guy cut you off. True story. Don't lose the battle. Don't sweat it. I was thinking about uh, having knowledge of the Word and um, get over into worry, get into fear, get all anxious. And if, if you're over into worry, um, it's lack of knowledge. You've got nothing to be worried about. If you knew what the Word said, you've got nothing to be worried about. Fear, lack of knowledge, what have you got to be afraid of? Do you believe the Word? What is there to be feared? Anxious? You're all anxious all the time? Lack of knowledge. The Word says, if you keep your mind on Him, on Jesus, you remain in perfect peace. That's in Isaiah the 26th chapter. Those who keep their mind upon the Lord will stay in perfect peace, if I'm quoting that correctly. Let me ask the walking Bible. Is that, is that correct? Uh, she said it was. So that tells you when you get out of peace and you start to freak out, that should be an indication, a clue. My mind is not on the Lord. I'd be in perfect peace here. I'm losing my peace. I'm losing my joy. I'm starting to freak out. I am sweating it. I need to get my mind focused back on the Lord instead of what these five senses are telling me. Amen. You can learn to walk in it just like Jesus did. Now, last week we, we talked about Second Peter, and Peter is saying, hey, you've received, uh, obtained, um, like faith. In other words, same as me. Congratulations, you've received like faith. The same faith that Peter used to pull up the lame man, the same faith that Peter used to walk on water, the same faith that Peter used to stand up and preach, that same faith that you've obtained it. Now, in Second Corinthians... Uh, the fourth chapter in the 13th verse, Apostle Paul here says, since we have the same spirit of faith, well, let's just stop right there for a moment. The same spirit of faith as Apostle Paul. That's something. You have it. You didn't earn it. You didn't achieve it. It was a gift. God gave you the same measure of faith as Apostle Paul. He's no greater. I'm no greater. No. He's no respecter of persons. 
It says, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Now I want you to see this scripture right here, how it directly ties into this one right here. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. Let me read it. So Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, see, Paul just says, You've received the same faith. You believe and now you speak. You believe and now you speak. Amen. I said to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed to be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done and he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And when, let me back up. Let me get ahead of myself here. Now, when he says speak to the mountain, you understand he's, he's saying to be removed, be cast into the sea. That's what you don't want in your life. He's saying you're speaking to the mountain what's in your way, what you don't want in your life, and you're telling it to be cast into the sea. Now there's a song that comes on the radio. It's got a catchy tune. I was eating lunch with a guy earlier in the week, and uh, he said, boy, I like this song. And I said, I don't like it at all. And the song says, they say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, they don't say nothing. Jesus said it. That's why I don't like the song. As soon as I hear anything that's unscriptural, I'm just cutting that off. I'm not listening to it. And he says, whenever he choose, when you speak to the mountain or whenever God decides not to move the mountain, he never said he was going to move the mountain. He said, you speak to the mountain, you tell the mountain to be moved and it'll be cast into the sea. How are you going to do it? Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. It's your faith that's going to move the mountain. But we go through life thinking we're waiting on God to move the mountain. He never said he was going to move it. He said, you speak to it and you move it. The song's unscriptural. That's why I cut the station, not listen to it. You start listening to that junk and it gets in you. The same way songs can get into you, you can start singing Whiskey Bent and Hell Bound. Or I'm on the highway to hell. You better cut that station off. At least cut that song off and wait till Sweet Home Alabama comes on and you can cut it back on. <laughs> Even when I was living like a heathen, I'd cut that song off. I'm on a highway to hell. What, who, why in the world would you sing that? That's terrible. But you speak to this mountain. I, I've used this before, but um, let me, let, here's, here's, here's what we do a lot of times. This wall right here is going to be the mountain, right? And we try so hard. We're trying everything we can do. And I'm over here. I'm, I'm, pushing on this mountain. I'm trying everything I know to do. The Red's power to do my money, my education, my friends, the pawn shop, whatever. I'm trying my best. I'm pushing. I'm gritting my teeth. I'm straining. I'm just trying, trying, try as you might. And it's not moving. And if you notice, really the only thing that ever moves is you. And see, I think that's good. See, when you move, you trying all you can. The only thing's moving is you. But finally, you get moved into a place and God says, now I can use you. Because you can't do it. Not on your own. Not by might. Not by power, but my spirit says the Lord. Amen. Now we're speaking to this mountain, telling it to move. Now, next part of the scripture. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you received them, and you'll have them. So we're telling the mountain to move. This is what we don't want. But now what we do want. 
Whatever the things you ask, or whatever's or whatever, as long as it lines up with the Word. Believe that you receive them and that you'll have them. Now you notice that the believe you receive them part comes before you'll have them part. Because if you're going to wait till you have them before you believe it, that's not faith. I, I walked up to somebody this morning and gave them some money. I owed it to them. I bought something from them. That person that has that money in his pocket, he doesn't have to believe it. He knows it because I gave it to him. It's after the fact. But see, faith is before. He, he, he may have been in faith this morning, came in here saying, I believe that he's going to give me that money this morning in the name of Jesus. Could be. I've done it many times. Believing on the Word, standing, and somebody came up to me and uh, hand it to you, man, when you need it the most. Amen. Now, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Well, let's just take the whole thing. Speaking to a mountain, telling it to move, praying for things, believing that they're coming. I believe I receive them before I have them. Now I'm going to forgive somebody. Well, you could take this whole portion of Scripture right here and say, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel like when I speak to a mountain it's going to move. I don't feel like when I pray. I don't feel like anything's happening. I just can't feel anything. I don't feel like forgiving them. Well, you better not go by feelings. If you went by feelings, there wouldn't be many people in this room this morning because I guarantee you, you didn't feel like getting dressed and coming here, but you did because you didn't let your feelings on you. You came on in in faith. But you better not go by feelings. I'm talking about forgiving somebody. I don't feel like forgiving him because he hurt my feelings. He hurt me. She hurt me. You don't know what they said. You know what they did to me. They crushed me. They hurt my feelings. So I don't want to forgive them. Well, I didn't say you had to cook them a steak and bake them a cake and invite them over to eat every weekend. In other words, there's some people you just don't want to hang around with because they're just not good people. You don't like them. They're not good. They bring you down. You don't have to hang around them. You don't have to invite them over to your house. That's not what the Scripture's saying. That's saying you forgive them. You forgive them. Just like your father forgave you. Did you deserve forgiveness? No. I didn't deserve forgiveness. Whenever I'm upset with somebody, I think, well, I certainly didn't deserve forgiveness either. Who am I to hold unforgiveness against them? Because... God didn't hold it against me. Now there's people that I've forgiven that like I said, I don't care to hang out and be around. Um, maybe you're, you struggle with that as well. I don't know. Like I said, that doesn't mean you have to cook a mistake and bake them a cake unless the Lord tells you to. You better fire the grill up. You know, some people you just go to over and over and over trying to make things right. Trying to and trying to. And every time you, you, you know, sometimes you have to shake your shoes off, dust your shoes off. It's like he told the disciples. They won't receive you. Dust your shoes off. Head on down the road to the next town. You've done what you can do. You can go to bed and go to sleep knowing that you did what you did was right. You tried your best. Amen. I don't feel like it. Well, Daryl was talking about for years how he went, walked and he spoke and he, he, he had this where he unlocked the doors of these campers and he said they're paid for, they're paid for, they're paid for. Probably some days he didn't feel like it. Some days he didn't feel like it. Some days he didn't feel like going out to that garden, but he just kept going to the garden. 
I wonder if Jesus, how he felt when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he needed his disciples the most, and he said, y'all pray. And he came back and found them sleeping. He said, hey guys, wake up. Hey, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. I need you to pray. And he came back and found them sleeping. I wonder how he felt when that happened. I wonder how he felt when he was arrested. I wonder how he felt when they took him in there and stripped all his clothes off and plucked out his beard and took a crown of thorns and jammed them down on his head, punched him in his face, spit in his face. I wonder if he felt a warm, fuzzy feeling and just felt all good. I wonder how he felt when they tied him to the whipping post and beat the hide off of him. I wonder if he felt warm and fuzzy, felt a good feeling. I wonder if it felt good carrying that cross, all splintered up cross on his raw back all the way down the Via Della Rosa and he got nailed to it and stood up. I wonder if that felt good. I wonder if he was led by his feelings. If he was led by his feelings, let me tell you, he would have appeared to Pilate and he would have said, hey boy, you going to wash your hands now? Oh, you want me to prophesy? I'll prophesy. He wasn't led by feelings. He was led by love. And this scripture right here, that's what it's talking about. When you're talking about forgiving others, it's walking in love. That's, you want to get deep? That's deep. That's as deep as you can get. Walking in love. I just don't, they just don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I didn't deserve the way I got done. Yeah, you did. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is actually better than you deserve. Because we all deserve hell. That sounds cold and ruthless. Truth is, every how sick you've ever been, every how many times you've been lied to, mistreated, abused, beat, uh, raped, whatever's ever happened to you in your life is absolutely better than hell, and we deserve hell. So the worst thing that could ever happen to me is better than I deserve. That's hard, but that's the truth. Amen. You're just here for a minute anyway. This life's like a vapor, like a mist. You're going to be with Jesus. You have to remind yourself of that. This is all temporary. This pain's temporary, whatever I'm struggling, whatever I'm going Temporary. 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 Just stay with it. So those scriptures go together there. And um, say, well, it didn't work. I just don't feel like it's working. Now let me let me bring this point up really quick. Um, you could take a business or you could take a marriage. Yep, marriage. I'll use my marriage as an example. So years ago, um, uh, there was um, uh, something that needed to be moved, and that was me. And uh, there was a problem. It was me. But my wife had her truck. And her chain hooked to it, and she had it low gear, just burning all four tires, pulling that way. And I was pulling the other way. You understand? I was pulling the other way for a long time. And then finally, I just put it in neutral, and she started pulling, pulling me. And after a period of time, I put mine in gear, and we started going together. We've been going together for um, about 13 years. But for a lot of years, I was pulling hard the other way. Well, some people are in marriage, and, and it's, you're praying, and you're believing, you're standing on the Word, and it don't seem like anything's moving. Well, let me tell you, it's two, two human beings. The other person can pull against you. You can pull against your wife. You can pull against your husband. You can pull against your business partner. You can pull against whoever it is that you're pulling against. It, somebody's going to have to put it in neutral. So in other words, you can say, I prayed, and it didn't work. But it's, 
when you when you're involving two different people that's got their own free will to make their own choices, their own decisions. In other words, if 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 someone came up here to be prayed for, I laid hands on you, spoke the word of God, prayed. If you didn't have it in neutral, I mean, you might not know as much word as me, but you got to at least have that thing in neutral. You can be fighting and going resisting. No, I'm unworthy to be healed. I'm not right. I'm unrighteous. No, I don't deserve healing. Well, you're not going to get healed. I can't supersede your will. You got to at least put it in neutral. That makes sense. So when you say, well, "I just don't see anything happening," it's not because the word's not working. It's not because God's a liar. Um, who in the world am I? Who am I to? To speak to a mountain. Who am I to pray? Who am I to speak? Who am I to speak like Jesus? In Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, seventeenth verse. Therefore, if anybody, anyone is in Christ, that's anyone, any believer. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, who who are you? You're a new creation. Let's get that settled. You're a new creation. And Second um, Corinthians, the fifth chapter, twenty first. For he who made uh, him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that he might become the righteousness of God in him. That's you. You're the righteousness of God in him. So who are you? You're the righteousness of God. You don't become more righteous. Romans 5.17 says that by one man's offense, death reigned in life, but through another man's obedience, which was Jesus, that we received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Amen. It's a gift of righteousness. You are righteous. Who are you? You're righteous. You're not unrighteous. He's purged all your unrighteousness. We don't need to go around with an unrighteous sin conscience. We need to be mindful of who we are. We need to walk around with a righteousness, a righteous conscience. The consciousness of righteousness. I'm righteous. I've been made righteous. That's who you are. That's your identity. You didn't get a new body. We just read it. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. So you don't become more righteous. I remember when I was younger, I heard somebody say, that's the most righteous man I've ever met. And I thought, I wonder what makes him more righteous. I'd like to be more righteous. But after I learned and got into the Word, he's no more righteous than me. There's no level of righteousness. You don't get more righteous. You're righteous or you're not. If you're born again, you've received the righteousness of God through what? The blood of Jesus. He went to the cross to ensure it. Amen. So, Growing out of unbelief and growing into belief or growing out of righteous consciousness, uh, out of sin consciousness, rather, into righteous consciousness. Now, we need to be righteous conscious. And I had some more scriptures, but I don't see them on here. So, it's probably my fault again. But I'm pretty sure it's Philippians. I know it is. It's, it's um, Philippians, the second chapter and the fifth verse. Uh, somewhere around the fifth, let's see. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now get a hold of that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The same mind of Christ. Was he sin conscious? Was he going around in sin conscious? Was he going around in unbelief? No, you need to have the same mind of Christ because it's been given to you. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now that seems kind of arrogant, doesn't it? It says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal to God. He didn't consider it robbery. 
So we think sometimes I'm as righteous as Jesus. I'm a co-heir. I'm like him. And you mean when God sees me, he sees Jesus, he sees that righteousness in me. That just don't seem right. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm robbing something here. No, this is what the Word of God tells you to do. Let this mind be in you. He says, But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. We quote that all the time. The name that's above every name. Now you know where, where, where it comes from. The name that's above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. You don't need to be bound to nothing else except the name of Jesus. You've seen some athletes bowing down. You've seen some standing up saying, I'm not going to take a knee to anything except Jesus. Well, I support them. And the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what? Some tongues don't confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but they all will eventually. I'd, I'd say do it now rather than later. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but let's see how much more am I going to read here. We'll read down 15th verse. That you may become blameless and harmless <coughs> children of God without fault in the midst of crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And we'll stop right there. Become children of God. That's important to know that you're a child of God. Amen. In the book of Romans, it talks about being a co-heir, and I just mentioned that. In the 8th chapter of Romans, it says, But the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's the 11th verse. Will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, we're, we're living by the Spirit. We're putting to death the flesh, like we've been talking about. We're coming out of unbelief and growing into belief. We're coming out of unrighteous consciousness into righteous consciousness. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, this is good. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Those who are under the law, you're always in fear. Always in fear. If you miss one, you missed them all. You didn't get graded on a curve. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. But now we've received the spirit of adoption whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. That's, that's enough. I want you to see you're, joint, you're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Christ. He has made you righteous. And we need to live in a righteous state of being and knowing that you're righteous, um, that you have His righteous spirit. Amen? All this junk that we think get over into thinking about it, it comes it comes from your mind. That's why the Romans twelve chapter second verse says, 
to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what do you renew your mind with? The Word of God. You need to have your minds renewed through the Word of God. We need to get into the Word. We're renewing our minds right now, this morning, in the Word of God. We're renewing our minds. We're changing the way we think. There's more than what we see. There's more than what we hear. There's a spiritual realm out there. And I'm standing and believing in faith uh, that God's working, right? You talking about this sin consciousness. Let's think about Adam and Eve. They hadn't had any sin. He said they walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. He's in the garden with them. Spiritual beings, you're a spirit. You have a soul, you live in a body. Every one of us. We have a spirit. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Well, Adam and Eve sinned. And as soon as they sinned, there was this thing called sin conscious. They were conscious that they had just sinned. That's why they went and hid themselves. They knew they had sinned. They had disobeyed God. Now they're hiding from Him. You can't hide from God, by the way. And you don't. when you repent, that's not when He found out about it. But they're hiding from God. You could say they went in the closet. I know we say come out of the closet, and that's referring to someone that uh, is gay. They come out of the closet, but you know what? There's people hiding in the closet every day, all sorts of things. Adam and Eve went and hid in the closet. And he said, hey, where are you at? Well, we're hiding. We're in the closet. Come on out. Why did they go hide? Sin conscious. Something said, hey, this isn't right. This is wrong. Why do people go and hide in the closet? Because there's something, the sin conscious is saying, this is wrong. God created Adam and Eve, a man to be with a woman. That's marriage. Anything outside of that is ungodly. Amen. You see a man sitting in front of a computer looking at things he shouldn't look at, ungodly. A man with a man, ungodly. A woman with a woman, ungodly. I'm not going to dodge the truth. I just preach the truth. Is it controversial? Yeah. But it's the Word of God. You don't bend the Word to fit society. The society should bend to fit the Word. But the reason they're hiding, the reason somebody would go in the closet is because of sin conscious. But then the world goes, it's okay. You can come on out. It's fine. Well, they're lying to you. Does that mean you need to keep on hiding? No, that means you need to be delivered. You just need to be honest with yourself and honest with the Lord. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> but they went because of sin conscious. And you and I being sin conscious will prevent you from speaking to that mountain. It'll prevent you from having faith. It'll prevent you from doing a lot of things because you say, who am I? I'm just an old sinner. Like that song, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're one or the other. You're either an old sinner or you saved by grace. Because if you've been saved by grace, you're not an old sinner anymore. That's who you used to be, but now you're a new creation. You know, like if you, if you build an engine, I saw this week where a friend of mine who has a drag car, and he used to race dirt bikes with us, and, and we had a lot of fun. He was crazy. And um, his name's Troy. He lives up North Alabama, Newmarket, I think. But he, he has a car, and, he, and I saw on Facebook he went 182 mile an hour in 3.9 something seconds. I thought, dang. You could, hear, you could hear the engine. 
and uh, it's properly tuned. And I know everybody here don't ride dirt bikes, race dirt bikes, but there's a lot of people that do. But I've said before, and my friends will say it, there's nothing, as a dirt bike racer, there's nothing, no greater sound than a properly tuned two-stroke in the hands of somebody who knows how to use it. It just, when it, it's going by through the woods, it's just like, I love that sound. <laughs> it's like, man, I need that for my wake-up alarm. Just, y'all want me to do it for you? Make the sign? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> but you've heard some that aren't properly tuned because they're not right. Something is not right. The, the, the timing's advanced or the timing's retarded or something's wrong and it's not right. But when you get it right, when you get it properly tuned, mm, it's nice and crisp. And the men know, most of the men know what I'm talking about. It's right. Well, you know what? That's you. That's me. We have been properly tuned. It's just receiving what you've been given. Now, um, I'll close right here with this. I had several more scriptures. And um, I'm going to fire the computer lady. <laughs> I mean, this time, it can't be my fault. Um, but fortunately for y'all, y'all probably get out a little early, so... Maybe that was the plan. <laughs> In John, the 11th chapter, um, I didn't have this one on there, but I did have a couple on Hebrews. John, in the 11th chapter, we'll just start in the first verse. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. Because Jesus loved Lazarus. Of course, he loved everybody. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. He said, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he heard uh, that he was sick, stayed two more days in the place where he was. I told you he didn't get in a hurry. He didn't freak out. He didn't panic. <clears throat> he stayed two more days. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's, let's go. Um, let me fast forward on down. It says, uh, here we go, we'll just, 21st verse. And Martha said to Jesus, this is after he arrives, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. <clears throat> Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He said, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Now, 
Just skip on down. 33rd verse. Now Mary's here. We'll start in 32nd. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews were weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. That's the shortest scripture in the Bible. Jesus wept. Two words. You hear people tell that joke sometimes. Well, that's where it came from. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again groaning to himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against him. Let me tell you why he's groaning. Do you see all this unbelief? He's troubled because... I've been surrounded by unbelief. I've been surrounded by people that are speaking negative and doubt and fear. It makes me groan. It does something on the inside of me. I don't like it. Just like that song I was talking about, something on the inside of me does not like it. I have to cut it off. I have to turn it off. I don't like it. Can't listen to it. I'm not going to listen to all that doubt and that unbelief and fear. I'm not going to. But it says Jesus is groaning. He says, take away the stone. Now here's what I want you to see. Jesus says, I say what my Father tells me to say. Y'all heard this scripture? I only do what He tells me to do and I only say what He tells me to say. And right here in the 39th verse, Jesus said, take away the stone. That's righteous consciousness speaking. He is conscious of righteousness. He is doing what His Father said to do. He's saying what His Father said to say. Now immediately following that, says Martha, the sister of Him, uh, who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead four days. Do you see the difference in righteous consciousness and unrighteous consciousness? Jesus, being righteous conscious, says, roll away the stone. Roll it away. The unrighteous consciousness, oh no, you can't roll the stone away. It's too late. He's been dead for four days. What if he had only been dead for one day, or what if he'd only been dead for an hour? What if the body hadn't been cooled off? I mean, where do you draw the line? No, you can't go too far. There's nothing impossible for God. So our brother Buddy was preaching on a couple of Wednesday nights ago. You can't stop him. There's not height, depth, width, nothing. The valley's not too deep. There's nothing. But you see, speaking from an unrighteous consciousness, and we do the exact, exact same thing. It's too late. It's too late. That's not your righteous conscious speaking. You're going by what you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you feel. You're going by your feelings. You're going by your flesh. You're going by your unrighteous conscience. But you're not unrighteous. You are righteous. We have the blood to remind us of that promise. We have the blood to remind us of forgiveness. Amen. You're not righteous by feelings. I, I don't feel righteous. I feel myself. I don't really feel that righteous. Sometimes when I hear myself talk, I don't sound that righteous. I look in the mirror. I sure don't look righteous. I'm not righteous by what I feel, what I see, what I taste, what I hear, what I smell. I'm righteous by faith because that's what the Word says. Amen. Now, um, Jesus said, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then he took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, 
that they might believe that you sent me. In other words, he wants the people to hear he's having a conversation with God. He's talking with him. And when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out of the grave bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Now I love that part. Because he came out, he was a dead man, and he was wrapped in grave clothes. And many of us, all of us at one time in our life, we were dead men, we were dead women, and you're walking around and wrapped in dead man's clothes, dead women's clothes. It's a robe of unrighteousness. You're clothed in unrighteousness. You're in a prison of unrighteousness and you can't get out. You've been put into the tomb. It's unrighteous consciousness. But as soon as Lazarus comes out, he, he raises him from the dead and he says, take off the grave clothes. And I think about so many Christians that Jesus has raised from the dead. He's resurrected you. He's called you out from the place that you were. You're a new creation, recreated by the blood of Jesus. Behold, all things have become new. The old's gone. You're a co-heir with Christ. You've been given all these things, but we're still walking around with grave clothes on. And when you're walking around with grave clothes on, what that means is you're walking around in sin consciousness. But He has robed you with righteousness. You're not an old sinner. You're the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus. He says, don't consider it robbery. That your righteousness be equal with Christ. See, Christ made you righteous. It's something to get a hold of. It's something to wrap your mind around. That's something you need to choose. It's just a choice. Um, Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, the 19th verse. I was reading this earlier this morning. Now therefore write down this song for yourselves and teach it to your children of Israel. Put it in their mouths. Now that's not what I read. That's the 31st chapter. No wonder. 30th chapter. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I want to tell you this morning, choose life. Choose life, this life of righteousness. It's how you wake up in the morning, how you present yourself, how you go about your day. Does a righteous man get in front of a computer and look at garbage? Does a righteous woman get into a screaming cuss fight at Walmart over the last ham. <laughs> or driving down Fieldstown Road, flipping people off. And In other words, you need to remind yourself, don't grit your teeth and clench your fist and try to push that mountain. It's simply reminding yourself, I'm the righteousness of God in the, through the blood of Jesus. That's who I am. You want to know what's going to get you out of that uh, unbelief and into belief? accepting the fact that you are righteous and being righteous conscious. Sin's not, sin's not what's standing in the way. Now when you do sin, you do give Satan a, a, a foothold, a stronghold. I'm talking about it's just a consciousness of who you are. A righteous consciousness. Y'all get anything out of this? Amen. We got to cut it off somewhere. I'm 
So we got we to gotta quit at some point. No dead bows like, amen to that. <laughs> uh, I'm the righteousness of God through the blood. See, I have to remind myself of that. I deal with her. Because the righteousness of God wouldn't put his mom in a headlock, would he? He may. Well, praise the Lord. The sound of silence. That's a good sound. Sometimes when you're riding down the road, you need to cut your radio off and cut it all off, get it quiet. So you can talk to the Lord, hear from the Lord, get some direction, some guidance, cut the world off. It's good. I want you to this week to just like the scripture said, just like we talked about, <clears throat> speak, speak to mountains. Now you know if you feel awkward in front of people, do it driving down the road in your car. You've been given the power and the authority. You've been give, given power and authority to do it as the righteousness of God. Do it. Do it in faith. Speak. Speak it. Call things to be not as though they were. Abraham had five words to stand on. About five words. You'll be a father of many nations. He took those five words. We have thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands of words that we can stand on. You ever think about that? He took those five words and he stood on the word. He spoke the word. He spoke that word. He believed that word. It said against hope. He had hope. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you this morning. We have an attitude of gratitude. We are grateful and thankful for everything that you've provided us. Thank you for everything you've delivered us from. Thank you that you're True to your word, and you say you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. We believe your word. It says, greater is he which is you that's in us than he that's in the world. And that's the words that we stand on. That's the words we build our lives on. We thank you that you provide all our needs according to your riches and glory. We thank you for that. We thank you that your word says and we're faithful. That you open up windows of heaven, you pour out blessings we can't contain. You rebuke to devour for our sake. We just thank you for those words. That's what we build our lives on. Father, we thank you for the gift of righteousness. And where our sin abounds, your grace much more abounds. And we just thank you for that gift this morning. We thank you for giving us the strength to go through this week, every day of our lives at work and in marriage and wherever we go with a consciousness of righteousness, who we are in you, that we're co-heirs. 
and that we've been given rights and privileges. We've been given authority. We've been given power. We endeavor to walk into every bit of that. We just thank you that we're leaving out this morning better than we came in. And if you're here this morning and you say, hey, I need um, some prayer. I had one person ask, said, let's pray. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss. But if you're here and you need prayer of any kind, then just hang around right here up front. So we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.